so did you eventually conscientiously say, hey, let's make some programming for people working out at home? Or how did it develop to that next phase? Yeah, so um, I loved programming. At the time I was working with um, Pat Sherwood uh, with Lynchpin and we were programming for affiliates. It was myself, him and Chris Spieler. And each of us had like five or six affiliates that we were programming for. Um, so I love making workouts. And so, yeah, I did, I said to Julian, we should on our page do like a, a daily workout that you can do with like very minimal equipment but then we can also show how to, that if you do have access to more equipment, because we had more than your average person in our garage, just because we were athletes, you know, um, we could show like the different variations based on what you have. And then we could, you know, hook up with like Wattify, who is, who is who we ended up hooking up with and they can log their scores. That way they can compare with each other. We can have like this little community and, um, people who are traveling, again, traveling all around or who can't make it to a gym or maybe there's no gyms near them can still do the workouts. Um, and at n in no place in my mind was it a um, for parents thing. Zero percent of my mind was thinking about parents or stay-at-home moms because I, didn't, I wasn't in that world yet. I was thinking of busy business owners and travelers and things like that. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale. My friends Amy Radowski, Charlie Yodi, Kat Shear love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40 plus Masters Age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast, as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast. Miranda, Hi. how are you? Oh, I guess I didn't realize there was this was a, like a group chat. This is awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> friends. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I we uh, I'm Scott. I'm the Clydesdale, and uh, Kat and Amy are my friends. Wow, Miranda. And so they're my co-hosts as well. That's awesome. That's fun. I love the shirt, by the way. Oh, <laughs> monster! Thank you. <laughs> So we're really informal. I've already hit the record button. Uh, we'll just get to it and uh, okay. get, get through it all. Great. And you guys can hear me fine. I have my AirPods on. Is that okay? You, yeah. sa you sound yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this, this is really exciting for me. Um, when I first started CrossFit, you were big in CrossFit media. Uh, I thought you were one of the best uh, analysts that they had. <laughs> and uh, I, I miss your perspective, uh, but I know you're on to bigger and better things now. So uh, it's really exciting for me to get to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I'm excited uh, to chat with you guys. So, um, you have a husband, Julian. I do, yes. <laughs> and you now have two kids. Uh, yes. 
So what's Congratulations uh, on your latest. Thank you. So what's motherhood like? Sorry, Siri thought I was talking to her. I had to, I had to kick her out. What was, <laughs> what did you say? What was your question? I said, so what is motherhood like? Um, you, maybe the dramatic long pause was the correct answer then. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing and it's like the most worthwhile thing you'll ever do. And it um, changes your heart and just who you are, but also it's exhausting and very high levels of stress all the time, whether it's like wondering if the baby's breathing, that's like the first stage, right? And then it's like wondering if they're eating enough and wondering if they should have rolled over by now. And then it turns into like being terrified that they're gonna fall every time they stand up or, you know, so, I'm, and I know that it never ends. You know, you hear from moms of older kids that that just, that cycle continues. So um, yeah. It goes by way faster than you want it to also. Yeah, I have a 19 year old daughter and the worries are completely different, Oh, but I just as intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I come from a big family. I have five siblings myself. Um, and actually my mom and my sister, like. 20 minutes before we got on this call showed up to visit me. Um, my sister hasn't <laughs> met my newest little boy yet. So they're here. They're actually walking him around the neighborhood so that I could chat with you guys. Oh, that's Very awesome. Fun. Yeah. So did, did you play sports growing up? No. Well, that's not true entirely. I played a couple seasons of ice hockey as a goalie when I was super young, like seven years old. Um, my two of my three older brothers were really big into hockey, like all the way through high school. Um, and so they taught me how to skate. And then they basically, I think they just needed a goalie so that they could play. And they figured, well, she could probably stand there, you know? Um, and so I played hockey when I was little. Um, and then I stopped playing hockey and I, in high school, uh, I danced and stuff like that, like in junior high and high school. And I was a cheerleader in high school, but no other like sports, I guess I did do one season of track my senior year of high school also. So, so what got you into CrossFit and, and give, getting you into that transition? Yeah, um, I was a personal trainer. So my high school boyfriend, his mother was a spin instructor. And um, I ended up dating him for like three years or something like that. And so I would go to her spin classes and I really liked it. And then my best friend throughout junior high and high school, she also had like a gym membership, like a family recreation type place, like a tennis club. And so we would go together and we would, who knows what we were doing, but we thought we were working out, you know, I mean, we were doing something, but, um, and so I, I was into fitness already, like even out of high school, even though I wasn't really playing sports. And then um, I went to school actually for interior design um, but I was teaching spinning classes when I was in school. And so I was around the gym and everything a lot. And um, when I graduated from school, I realized that now this is like a stereotype, but typically the people who can afford an interior designer are not the type of people that I wanted to spend my time with. <laughs> they were, especially because I was young. So they were very, you know, rude and I don't know. So I, I, um, I ended up going the path of just continuing more on the fitness side since I had already been working in it the whole time I was like in school and everything. Uh, that's funny because my wife actually has a degree in interior design. 
uh, and she left the field <laughs> a couple years after college as well. Yeah, I actually wanted to be like a set designer for like movies or like my dream was to like work at Disney and work on the rides and things like that, like designing that kind of stuff. But obviously that takes time and probably you have to know somebody to get that kind of an opportunity. But um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting, like I never thought about movie sets and Disney itself being interior designed, but that's, that's really cool. Do you still yeah. have like a personal interest in doing that? Like at your home or, or for- Oh yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's an expensive interest. Yeah. Sure. We, <laughs> when I was pregnant with this last, um, with Banner, we redid our entire downstairs. Like I'm like eight months pregnant and we don't, like, don't even have a kitchen. Like it, and then the coronavirus came and it was just like a disaster. Like, but um, yeah, so I definitely do. So you took the nesting phase to a whole new level. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> so eventually you became an affiliate owner, right? Because there wasn't much available in, in Salt Lake? Yeah, so I was a personal trainer and at the time I was renting space in like a studio. There was only four trainers, it was very small. And we would just pay almost like a hairdresser, like a monthly rent and we could train our clients there. And that's when I found CrossFit. Now how I found CrossFit was I was kind of bored with my own workouts because I had been doing very much like bodybuilding type stuff um, for a long time. And um, so one day I Googled uh, Marine Corps training because you know you always hear like the Marines are so tough or whatever. And so I found the CrossFit website and I started doing the workouts myself. Um, and I completely stopped doing any bodybuilding because I wanted to see if these workouts were actually enough, you know, because on the website it said, this is all you need to do or whatever. And so I did just that and I fell in love with it, obviously. Um, and so I started doing it with my clients at this training studio. And then I saw the benefit of having more than one person working out together. And then I got in trouble because they didn't want me to train more than one person at a time and basically kicked me out. And so, yes, I opened an affiliate mostly because I had nowhere else to go with my clients and because I, you know, had this new love for CrossFit. So I've heard you in places talk about uh, the community aspect and how you're good at growing a community. <laughs> um, because in, when you first started that affiliate, you took a large group of people to the CrossFit Games before anybody even knew what the CrossFit Games were. Yeah, so this was... So in 2008, myself and my ex-husband and I think like two other of our friends went to the games and I participated. Um, and it's not like how it is now at all. I literally signed a waiver and then they were like, cool, you're in heat five or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, and then, and that was less than a year after we started CrossFit. And then in 2009, we had our, we had had our affiliate for a while and so yeah, we, we had 30 people drive from Salt Lake to Santa Cruz um, to watch the 2009 games. We, one of our trainers competed. She, that was the first year that you had to qualify through regionals and she qualified and she competed. And, and it was, I mean, people were like sleeping in these like crappy motels because there's not a lot around there, honestly, and everything. But it was some of the best memories. Um, it was a really tight-knit group and many of them are still very tight-knit now. Yeah, that's really cool. So how many, how many members did you have at that affiliate? I want to say we had like a hundred to 125 maybe at, at the most. Yeah. That's a decent size back then. I mean, CrossFit wasn't even really a thing yet. 
Yeah, the greatest thing about, about back then, and I think, you know, why there's a little bit of a different um, attitude or vibe when you talk to somebody who's been doing CrossFit from 2007, 2008 versus they started in like 2012 or something, um, is there was no such thing as like a CrossFit competitor back then. And most people, if, they're, if they were at an affiliate that early, had never heard of CrossFit or seen CrossFit before at all. And so there was no preconceived notions. Nobody came in like trying to like uh, be something specific or show off or I don't know, whatever. So the vibe was very different then. Than, and a lot of affiliates have held on to it. Um, but you get people that come in now. I mean, I remember back in like, you know, 2013, 14, people would come into the gym and be like, oh yeah, I want to compete. Like that's the reason they were there. And you just didn't have that back then. And um it, no one was doing two workouts a day. Like that would, that would have been nonsense, you know? Uh, so it was, it was, it was fun. And we got, all got to kind of like learn how to do it together. Yeah. I, even I started in 2011 and it's even changed from then till now for, okay. for me, like, like it just used to be fun. It was hanging out with your friends, doing a workout, working hard, but not like really worried about competitions or, or anything like that. Um, and yeah. I kind of miss that. Yeah, we have some videos from back then. Because um, <laughs> even back then, I was with like a camcorder making videos and putting them on our website. But there, I mean, there was no Instagram or anywhere else to put them. Like, where are you going to put them? Um, but they're still on. You can find them on Facebook or I think they're on like a Vimeo page or something. And um, the movement is just so bad. And like none of the reps from anyone should be counting at all. But like people were getting fitter and they were having a good time. And, um, you know, obviously I grew as a coach and, and CrossFit grew as in the methodology, but it was great. Yeah, we, we had the first year we did the open, we weren't quite affiliated yet. So we had to submit the videos. And so they're all out there on YouTube from, 2000, I think 2013 was our first year we did the open. Oh my goodness, where we've come from, from there. <laughs> they live in infamy. Yeah, they're so great. So Miranda, what then led, how did that transition from you going from the affiliate owner to being, to working at HQ? Yeah, that's a good question. So when I, um, it, it kind of all jumbled together. So I competed in the games, loosely competed, right? Um, in the games in 2008 and two weeks later there was a level two the old school level two that if you were around like back before they changed all the levels um was basically it's like the level four now okay. um it was two weeks later also in santa cruz and i remember we went to the games drove home because we didn't have money to fly or anything back then and then we drove back to santa cruz for the level two and basically back then the way that they found trainers for the seminar staff was people who actually passed level two because the um passing rate was super low i think it was like something like an 85 percent fail rate or something like that of this because it was performance based and so basically anybody that passed it they would ask them if they were interested in helping with the seminars and so that's how i was able to get an internship with the seminars did you enjoy your time on the seminar staff Oh, I loved it. I, lo I mean, I still have very close friends. I got to go all over the world. Um, it was so great. I think I heard you quote, like you've been to 250 different affiliates because so of that. I, 
Yeah, I worked over 300 seminars. And of course, you end up at the same affiliate um, over and over again for certain places that do a lot of seminars. But for the most part, yeah, it was, it was different every time. So it gave you a chance to see the world. Did you get any time to like stick around and check out that area? Or did you, were you pretty much just seminar and off? So this is a regret that I have. I was very, um, so kind of, I'm proud of myself in a way, but also uh, there's a regret when it comes to that with all the travel. Um, I was one that I refused to become a professional athlete. Like that didn't make life sense to me. Like I was like, I'm never going to be like, what, what am I going to get another sponsorship from like a grip company or something? Like I need to think of my like long-term career path. And so I was very much, um, committed to working the seminars and I worked almost every weekend for like eight years. Um, but I was also wanting to compete. And so I was very wanting to go to bed on time, even if I was in some cool country or waking up early to work out in the, in the hotel gym or, you know, getting, getting home and not staying a couple extra days so that I could go back home and train. And so I did see some really cool stuff. Like I spent a good amount of time in Australia one time I was in Sweden, I think one time with, um, Boz and EC for like over a week. And so in between, like we did a weekend and then we had all the days in between and then another weekend. Um, that was really cool. I have some cool experiences from Korea, uh, cause we were there like an extra day, but I could have done a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're young, you don't realize that, you know, once you have kids and stuff, a lot of that you just can't do anymore. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I mean, cause I had such good, I have such good memories from competing and from having that opportunity too. So it's like, obviously there would have been a trade either way. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I've been to a lot of airports and a lot of Starbucks and a lot of gyms and that's about it. <laughs> so during that time as a seminar staff member is kind of the infamous um, story of your life that is how I got to know who you were. And that was the, the, the auto accident that happened while you were on seminar staff. Uh, and they made a, an amazing documentary about the yeah. sickness wellness continuum and um, and you became the poster child for that. Um, so how did that, did that impact your life or change your life in any way? Yeah. Um, there was definitely like a big shift in just me as a person and how I thought of um, my own life, but also how I thought of the importance of what I was actually teaching every weekend and how important it was for the everyday person to hear that maybe more than I hadn't realized before, because I mean, I was 29 when I got in the accident and I had always been super healthy and I'd never had any issues or anything like that. So while of course I believed in what I was teaching, I didn't see how much of an impact it could make in a regular person until that happened to me and it saved my life because I was so healthy and fit. And then of course you just want to go shout from the rooftops like, Hey, like this isn't just for athletes. And like, I know the competing's fun, but that's not what this should be about. Like people need this and the further you can get away from, you know, being ill or, you know, having weak bone density or losing muscle mass, like the more we can like hold that stuff off, the better we're going to be in no matter what comes up. Um, and it really, I really understood it for myself, I think finally, as someone who was young. Um, and then from there you, you could kind of, kind of trace, some life changes and choices, I guess, that I made. Um, 
in real I, I didn't I stopped traveling every weekend after that because I was like I haven't been to a birthday party or to you know I've missed so much in that with traveling too again probably wouldn't trade it, it there's some great memories and I gained so much from it as a trainer and in my career and everything but um yeah that was a, it changed a lot for me for sure and that documentary proved to me that you actually are Wonder Woman uh, doing <laughs> what you did air squats two days after the accident well to be fair I didn't know how bad my injury was at that time so when I left the hospital they told me I had whiplash and I was like well I guess this is you know what whiplash feels like and because of my education, I knew like moving actually helps the recovery process. So the last thing I'm going to do is just lay around. It's going to probably hurt worse if I do that. Um, so yes, I was doing <laughs> some, some stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> and then the funny thing that, that happened just uh, probably in the last year is Kevin Hart was in a car accident and I actually saw him on the Joe Rogan podcast and he was quoting the same stuff that you were, you wow. know, he, it was this, he, um, they said if he wasn't in such good shape, he probably would have been paralyzed in that car accident. And it wow. was only because he was in good shape that, and so without saying sickness, wellness continuum, he was saying the same things you were. And I thought that was really wow. cool. What's funny, like such a small world is I'm actually really good friends with his trainer. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe that's where he got it is your story maybe. from his trainer. Yeah. So then um, you're, on, you're on seminar staff and then you kind of get hooked up with the NorCal group. Oh yeah. So actually I met Jason in 2008 at my level one and his level one seminar. We were at the same level one. That's great. And yeah, I kind of became buddies. And then a few months, I want to say like six months later or something like that was the 2008 games that he won. And we remembered each, I mean, cause anybody that's been to a level one, they remember the people from their level one. And there's like friendships that are made there that people maintain for a long time. And so we were like, oh my gosh, like that guy from our level one just won. Like, that's so crazy. And then he told us like, yeah, I'm going to open a gym. And um, at first he told us he was going to name it Jason Khalifa's CrossFit. And we were like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it would have been actually given uh -huh. what happened, you know, his career or whatever. But um, so just kind of kept in touch with him. And then he ended up on seminar staff also. Uh, and so we would work together randomly. And then when we moved to Northern California, um, at first I was in Santa Cruz and I tried working out a few places there and I just never found like my group that I really vibed with. And so um, I started working out with uh, Jason and his crew. It was like Jason and Neil and just, I think at first I was the, like the only girl that was there regularly. Um, but yeah, it became, it became a thing where we had a good time. So when, when did you start working out there? I started working out there early 2012. I did most of the open, if, if not all of the open there in 2012. Um, I moved to Northern California in 2011 and I didn't start working out at NorCal CrossFit until um, 2012. Yeah, early 2012. And then my car accident was June of that year. So um, I was gone for a little bit, obviously, because I wasn't able to dr drive from Santa Cruz to San Jose, which is like a kind of a long drive. Um, but then I went back and was there, ended up moving closer so that I could train there. And you started NC Lab for them? Yeah, so 
It's so funny, right? So I remember um, Paul Gomez, who is one of the owners of Progenics, he was with us at NorCal because there was a very close relationship between NorCal and Progenics. And there was like this crew and he was like, are you on Instagram? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and he's like, you have, this was 2013. He's like, you have to get on Instagram. And I was like, okay. He's like, give me your phone. And he like set it up for me. And he's like, you just post. And I'm like, what do you say? And he's like, it's kind of like Facebook, but just pictures, you know, cause at the time it was just pictures. And, um, about a year later, I was like, you know, we could make an Instagram for our like workout crew. And I bet people would love to see our workouts. And so that's kind of where that came. And I've always really loved programming. Now I was not responsible for most of the workouts that we did back then. Jason would make stuff up off the top of his head, but I thought that people would find it interesting to see that we were just making stuff up randomly because that was kind of the emergence of uh, online programming, the like, you know, comp train or whatever. And our programming was so random and so made up five minutes before we did it. But you had athletes like Garrett Fisher and Neil Maddox and Jason Kalipa who were just dominating at least Northern California with these workouts that we were just like coming up with randomly and had no coaches or anyone programming for us. Um, so we created that and tried to make it clear, like we're not suggesting that anybody do this, but this is what we're doing. So you can see, and people loved it. That's see, that's what I loved about CrossFit back then is our coach would come in, the whiteboard would be blank and he'd just start writing and you'd have to, everybody's trying to figure out what the next movement's going to be. And, um, and it, that made it fun, right? You didn't, you didn't know the night before you just got surprised when you showed up. Yeah. So, um, so you stayed with them and up and through the 15 games, Yeah. Uh, the 15 games, man, that <laughs> <laughs> you guys were on pace to win the 2015 games. Yeah. Uh, you were dominating that year. Um, and it was the big, you know, Rich Jason showdown, uh, Mayhem versus NorCal. And you guys were, were crushing it. And then you blow out your knee. Yeah. So we had, so we had competed as a team without Jason and without Molly in 2014. We had like a, a pretty good team. We ended up uh, getting fifth at the games in 2014 um, without Jason and Molly. And then the next year, uh, I can't, I don't know if Jason decided to go team first or Richard. I don't know what happened. I know Jason wanted to spend more time with his family and that's kind of how this came to be. Um, but yeah, it kind of became a thing. And, um, the cool part about it was, is that our group had been training together for three years now at that, at that point every day. And we were just friends. Um, and so it was it was so much fun. It was so meaningful for all of us to go out there and do that together. But uh, yeah, so we were winning, I think by like a hundred points, if not exactly a hundred points. And then on the clean and jerk workout on Saturday morning. Um, and it's like one of those like laces out moments, like, you know, from, <laughs> from Ace Ventura, right? Because I had not, already made Not at all what I thought you were going to use as an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. <laughs> we had we were up by a hundred points. I had made a lift, so I had a score, but I had more time on the clock, so I was like, oh whatever, throw the fives on, you know. Um, and all of us were extremely wrecked from some of the stuff that we had done on the beach. Um, and I just 
I caught the clean, just a power clean, and it was actually not when I caught it, it was when I went to stand up. I just stood up and my knee like buckled and I had never felt anything like that before. It didn't hurt, um, but I knew there was something wrong with it. And so I didn't even try to stand up because I was worried I was gonna like collapse in front of all these people. So instead I just crawled, I crawled to change the weight for the next lifter on the platform and then crawled off the floor. <laughs> And, um, you know, we went back into the medical area and they told me that I had torn my ACL and I was like, cool, wrap it up. Like we're winning the CrossFit games. Like it's already torn. Like what's the worst that could happen? Let's go, you know? Um, but they, they, yeah, they would not allow me to continue. I think that, that year they had some people go down. They had like, um, it was a really hot Murphy year where they were like, I think Carl Webb needed like medical assistance and so did Annie Thor's daughter. And I remember Dave, who's still a good friend of mine to this day. I mean, he was my boss for eight years. He said, there's no way I'm letting you go out there and like potentially get more hurt in front of all these people. Like I can't, no, you're not, it's over. You can't compete anymore. So. Yeah. I, I remember watching it live um, and just being devastated for you because you guys were way out in front and, and Jason fighting to like five of us will carry the worm. Like, yeah. but like, just let us go. Um, and so I, I just felt bad for you guys. Cause you really, you'd really come, you were, you were the better team and you Thank could tell you. that you had been worked in. <laughs> you had, you could tell you worked out together much longer than, than anybody else. Um, yeah, so we had really it was good um, chemistry and communication for sure. Yeah. So, how hard was it for you? Cause I know when I'm on a team, the last thing I want to do is let down my team members. Did you feel like you let them down or did they? Um, I kind of still feel like that, honestly. And we're still friends. I still talk to um, pretty much everybody that was in that group. I mean, Molly is one, is one of my best friends. And so is Jen, both of them. Um, I talk to regularly. I mean, I talk to Molly every day. Um, and I, I guess I do still feel like that kind of, but at the same time, we've talked about it um, at different times where it was the best thing for several of us. Um, it was that following winter that Jason found out that Ava was sick. And had we won, we for sure would have tried to win again because it would have been so great. Um, and that would have been a really weird place that he would have been in where he would have had to make the decision if he was going to, you know, not compete with us or what he was going to do. Um, I for sure would not have moved. Um, cause I moved shortly after, I mean, I think I moved away like three months later, probably just cause I felt so bad. <laughs> um, but I would not have moved. We would have continued to train and compete, which would have been fun, but so many of our, uh, or several of our lives would be really different right now had that not happened. So. It's funny how that works out. You know, yeah. things did probably work out for the best. Yeah, I so think so. What, what did you learn from Jason? You know, my favorite thing about, I mean, that I learned from Jason, honestly, was just, he had the, he always had this, he was always in a hurry because he keeps a very tight schedule. And for me at the time when I was at NorCal, I worked on the weekends, but during the week I wasn't doing a whole lot unless it was game season and I was doing like commentating type stuff. But he would come in and he'd be like, guys, we got to go. We got to go. We got to do it. And we would, the amount of stuff that we could fit into a short window, um, like an hour and a half, two hour window, where a lot of the athletes then and still now train for like four or five hours a day. We were getting as much as we needed in an hour and a half, two hours um, with very little rest in between. Um, 
and it was because Jason was always in a hurry. So we got a lot from that. Um, I, I enjoyed watching Jason as a business person and just seeing how he would just go for things and he was, he's fearless when it comes to that. Um, and so that was cool to be around also. But I think just in general, our whole group had a very, we were serious, like obviously we were serious about winning and competing, but also we weren't serious. We didn't take ourselves so seriously. And yeah. um, I, I really liked that. And it was why we had so much fun. So now is the part I really want to talk to you about. And that's your new business venture um, that has been so successful. And uh, gosh, so you started street parking. You know, yes. you moved you moved from North, North Cal to Southern Cal, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, what was the impetus that got you started uh, with street parking? What was the inspiration? So I... Um got a job with Progenics, which is why I moved to Southern California. Um, and I was still working seminars, but not as many because I was not trying to travel the way that I had been before. Um, so, but I started traveling, funny enough, I started traveling a lot for Progenics, whether it was to Wadapalooza or to this training thing or that training thing to be with the athletes. Cause my job was um, like the athlete liaison basically. And so I was still traveling a ton and I started dating Julian who lived in, he lived in Northern LA, which if you're familiar with Southern California, Los Angeles and where I was living in Newport, they're not on the map that far away, but because of traffic, it's like, if you leave at the wrong time, you're looking at like three hours um, with no traffic. It was like an hour ish. Um, so when we were together, uh, the last thing we wanted to do was try to drive to the gym where he was training. And then, so we were working out a lot at home at his home and, uh, I was still traveling. So I was still working out and doing a lot of hotel stuff. And because I had my Instagram now, right. And then I was an expert Instagrammer. I, um, started posting, you know, I noticed that when I would post like a hotel workout or like an apartment gym workout or a workout in his garage, that I would get more interaction from people on a post like that than if I was um, in the gym doing muscle ups or handstand push ups or whatever. And um, I I think one thing that I that I'm blessed with or lucky to have is just um, I notice those types of things and I think, man, like this could help some people. And so I I thought I should start another in a new Instagram page again, or I where we can post our workouts that we're doing at home or when we travel, and then that way people can do them that can't make it to the gym or maybe other people who travel. Uh, and that's kind of where the idea came from, and it was just an Instagram page at first. And then, um, so did you eventually conscientiously say, "Hey, let's make some programming for people working out at home." Or how did it develop to that next phase? Yeah, so um, I loved programming. At the time, I was working with um, Pat Sherwood uh, with Lynchpin, and we were programming for affiliates. It was myself, him, and Chris Spieler. And each of us had like five or six affiliates that we were programming for. Um, so I love making workouts. And so, yeah, I did. I said to Julian, we should, on our page, do like a, a daily workout that you can do with like very minimal equipment but then we can also show how to, that if you do have access to more equipment, because we had more than your average person in our garage just because we were athletes, you know, um, we could show like the different variations based on what you have. 
and then we could you know hook up with like Wattify who is who is who we ended up hooking up with and they can log their scores that way they can compare with each other we can have like this little community and um people who are traveling again traveling all around or who can't make it to a gym or maybe there's no gyms near them can still do the workouts um and at in no place in my mind was it a um for parents thing zero percent of my mind was thinking about parents or stay-at-home moms because i didn't i wasn't in that world yet i was thinking of busy business owners and travelers and things like that um but i think like a week after we started posting the workouts on the instagram i found out i was pregnant and honestly you've probably heard the story before but i was like it's over no one's I was the Miranda abs and like, I'm rapping with my hat backwards and I've got the NC lab. Like no one wants to see the mom version of that. Like I, that's what I thought. Right. So I didn't think that anybody was going to be interested in it anymore. And it had the exact opposite effect. Yeah. It made, it probably made you even more relatable. Yeah. And I mean, no one has a harder time finding time to work out than a, than a mom, you know? So. Yeah. So I heard a story that said that initially you just wanted to make enough money to pay your rent. <laughs> um, not even our rent, because we were in Southern California, so that was very expensive. But we were like, if we could get 100 members, it could pay part of our rent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was like, that would be so cool. And then, you know, because Julian had a business. Um, we had just moved in together, too, like, like around that same time. Um, Julian had a, a meal prep business in Southern California, and I was working for Progenics. I was not working for CrossFit anymore once when street parking started. I had left working for them like two or three months before, um, which is why I had this free time to come up with this new Instagram page, I guess. Was that, was that an amicable breakup? Yeah, so they, had, they were changing um, how they were working with seminar staff. Um, at the time, right before I left, we had full benefits. Um, those of us who had been around for a long time even had like a yearly um, amount that we were like almost like a salary for just being available for random things that they might need us to help with um, so that we didn't feel like we had to have another job on top of that. Um, and we, they were restructuring things, which I mean, they were probably just spending way too much money on us, to be honest, because we were paid very well, um, where we had to work, I think it was like a minimum of 30 seminars a year to still receive any sort of benefits. And I, as I mentioned before, like I just wasn't willing to travel that much anymore. Um, and so some of the changes that they were making, it just felt like the right time for me to, I had another job for me to not do it anymore. I was seeing Julian and I didn't want to be leaving him all the time. Like I wanted to see where our relationship was going to go. Um, I met with Dave at Starbucks one day and had like a really good talk and that was kind of it. And uh, like I said, I'm still really good friends with so many of them and I have nothing but love for CrossFit and um, the, the CrossFit training department and the seminars are the best resource out there for anyone who wants to be a trainer, in my opinion. So does street parking have any affiliation with, with CrossFit? Or no, just mine and Julian's history. You know, okay. and a lot of members that have been part of boxes or still are part of boxes who use our program when 
you know, there's a pandemic or <laughs> um, <laughs> when they travel or just when they can't make it to the gym, they'll pull up one of our workouts instead. So what makes street parking different than other online programming? Yeah, that's a really good question. So there's, uh, I guess if you're, we're, you're probably asking me specifically about CrossFit programming as opposed to like the random fitness apps, right? It, it was broad for you to say whatever okay. you want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So the initially, and, and a lot of people have adopted this, especially in the last six months, but initially the main difference was the different variations of the workout, depending on how much equipment you had. So all of our workouts from inception in 2000, in fall of 2016 can be completed with only a pair of dumbbells. Um, but we would also show a version where it's like, if you have a barbell and a pull-up bar and a plyo box, here's the version of the workout that you could do with that. Or if you've got a rower and a bike and all the things, here's the version of the workout. And obviously not every workout needs all three versions. If it's clean and jerks and burpees, there's a barbell option, there's the dumbbell option. And we do a lot of sandbag stuff now too, actually, because it works really well for home gyms. Um, so that's been... I would say when we first started, that was the key, key difference was that we were showing all of that. Um, we were filming and still do film a demo workout for every workout every day with like video demos of all the substitutions and modifications and everything. Because again, we're assuming these people are working out not under the supervision of a coach. And there is a lot to be said about what you can gain from having a coach watch you, but that doesn't mean that you can't work out without one, you know? Um, so we've always provided a ton of information. My goal, because I was an affiliate owner that I worked for the seminars was to give all of the information that a good coach would give you in a class and deliver that through our program on the daily description and the video. And we would, we give them, um, goals that, goal times or scores and things like that to all the stuff that a good coach would do in, in person. Right. And that's kind of, I guess the technical side of how we're different. Um, this actually came up on our Facebook group the other day. Somebody said, guys, we have like this 29,000 person Facebook group and it gets a little crazy in there, but someone was like, guys, how do I tell my friends that street parking is different than CrossFit? You know? And I'm just like, Oh boy. And it was so fun to read the answers because many of our members, came from that background. We also have a good number of members who have never stepped foot in a CrossFit gym. Um, and for me, I felt like, especially more recently in the last like five years, <clears throat> sometimes the messaging, whether intentional or not, or what CrossFit had become to the public, whether intentional or not from CrossFit HQ, was intimidating to a lot of the general population. Um, and we kind of strive to not have that be a part of what we do at all. So we don't emphasize at all um, the leaderboard. Wattify has it, and that's the logging platform that we use. But honestly, we have so many people on Wattify that the leaderboard usually won't even pull up for them if they try to see like what place they're in for the day. Um, we de-emphasize RX, like what's, what's prescribed and what counts and what doesn't count. Um, we give suggestions and we uh, place the emphasis more on hitting the goal times and scores than on clicking RX or worrying about if you did the version that the person next to you or you know the other person did and if it counts or whatever. 
Um, and there are, again, really great affiliates out there that do the same thing, but it had become not that in a lot of places and in a lot of ways with CrossFit, um, just because the games got so big. Yeah, what I find fascinating is you're, you were really an industry leader, like, because you were prepared for the pandemic five years before it happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and I think a lot of um, online programming got lazy that, you know, you just post a workout and, and hope that, that people follow along, but, but you put the work behind it to make sure that people were successful. The other thing that, that you, we all know who have um, seen any sort of success in fitness is how far encouragement can go. And in person, that's easy. You tell them, good job, you crushed it today. That was so awesome. You got a PR or, or you got your first pull up or whatever. Um, that's really hard to do online. And so from the very beginning, something that I know that we have always done and none of the other online programs were doing it, at least not back then, is we would follow the hashtag street parking and we would comment on every single person that tagged us in a post. And we are really interactive on the Facebook group. Um, and because, you know, if that, if the stay at home mom who's working out by herself and no one's there to see it can gets one of our coaches or one of our staff, cause she posts, you know, a, a selfie afterwards and says that she did it or whatever and says, good job. We're proud of you. I mean, that's so huge. And now they're like, okay, I, I you know, I'm going to post again. And then they feed off of each other. Like on our Facebook group, you see these, these people working out in circumstances that just look impossible. Like they're in their like kitchen with their, you know, kids doing their homework at the dinner table or whatever. They're like cooking dinner during their rest periods and stuff like that. And it just like, creates this, man, if I saw that person still working out when that was her situation, like what, what's my excuse? Like, what am I going to say? You know, um, especially because the competitive side of it is so de-emphasized for us. We were trying to do our best with our members to make it okay to mail it in sometimes and just move. And that's kind of um, you know, if you follow me personally, I post a lot about doing just more than nothing because what I've seen in 20 years of the fitness industry is that consistency is really what drives lasting results. Intensity is important. And when you have it, go for it and do it, but at least show up and stay in the habit and you're going to, you know, get a lot more out of it than you think. And with you guys leading the way by making comments on people's posts, has, have the community then followed? And, oh, and yeah. doing that for each other. Yeah, that, you'll see that. Um, I mean, we have people, again, that have never met each other that are like really close friends because they found each other on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever. Um, a lot of our members, we tell them you should follow the hashtag street parking because there's no better motivation to see somebody, first of all, doing the same workout that you're going to do and, or seeing them, the obstacles that they're overcoming to get their workout in and it will motivate you. Um, not everybody that follows our programming is super into social media and that's totally fine. They have, <clears throat> we have a members only website where if they're not on Instagram or Facebook, they, they can get the workouts on the website and they don't have to deal with any of it. Um, but the people we encourage people if they're comfortable with it to get involved in the community, just the same way you would at a gym, like, Hey, get to know the members, get to know each other so that if you don't show up, people come looking for you, you know? 
So the, the piece I saw on you, I think it was, it was almost like a Ted talk. I, I don't know what it was exactly, but you were speaking <laughs> it at an event and uh, you were talking about the growth of street parking and how you wanted that to help with the rent a hundred people and you blew that out of the water. I think it was 700 people initially. Yeah. I think in the first month it was something like that. Yeah. And we were like, okay. And then you expanded to like some thought it was in the thousands and then to at that point in time it was fifteen thousand people you had as members of street parking, uh, and I think that was two years ago that you did that speech. Yeah, it, I think it was. Um, I know which speech you're talking about, and I think it was like a year and a half ago. It was because it was when we lived here, and it was in Portland. That it, it was actually um, a conference for affiliate owners. So, so where are you today? I heard you say 29,000 Facebook users. I think we're close to 30,000 members. I would have to double check, but we're somewhere between 29 and 30,000 members now. Could you even imagine that this is where you would be five, five years ago? No, we like laughed and joked about how we would never have 5,000 members. Like that's crazy. When we had, I think like 1500, we were like, Oh my gosh, what if we had 5,000 and, um, it's like, you can't, I can't really wrap my head around it. So I don't really think about it that much. Um, our, and people ask us all the time. They're like, what's your goal? Like how many members do you want? And, and we've always said the same thing. Like even from the beginning, we have no specific goal. Uh, we want to find the people who need us and as many people as that is, and as many people as we can do a good job for, um, we want to find them. We don't want to, we don't want anyone in our community or following our program that it's not right for them. And they're not either, they're not ready for it or they want, they want something more competitive. Like we've told people you should go sign up for a competitor program because it's, it's not really what this is. And we want people to find their place. Right. So, um, yeah, it just kind of, it's all been organic. The only marketing that we do is, um, social media stuff, basically reposting our members or, you know, things like that. And they really do it for us. And we, we know that, I mean, if you post something on your Instagram, like a favorite new restaurant or whatever, your family and friends believe you because they know you. And so that goes so much further than anything we could do, you know, so. So Miranda, oh, go ahead. sorry. Um, how, how big is your company now in terms of like employees, coaches, how many people do you have working for you doing social media and that kind of thing? Yeah, there's, there's roughly, some people are part-time and we have, um, a good number of people who are not local, not here with us. But if you combine all of that, it's somewhere between like 40 and 45 people. I think many of them were former or were members first and started helping out a little bit. And then, you know several of them moved here or are still helping out from where they're at. But yeah, I think just our social media team, like people who are commenting and doing stuff on social media, there's like, I want to say like six to eight people maybe. Wow. Um, and then we have a pretty big support team too, obviously just the emails from that many people of like, Hey, like I can't log my workout or whatever, you know? Right. Do you guys have an affiliate program at all where you offer programming for affiliates? So honestly, we, we get, we get reached out to by affiliates a lot. Actually, there's two ways that this goes. One, we get reached out to by an affiliate and they say, Hey, I want to just use your programming at my gym. Like, do I need to pay extra for that? 
or the other way that it goes is a member will write in and be like, hey, my gym is using your programming and they're not giving you credit. Oops, right. <laughs> like I know because I'm also a member. Um, we usually just tell affiliate owners like, listen, with what we provide, you don't, you don't need anything. Pay $19, have, have your gym owner. Like we can't stop you from doing that. So it would be, um, I don't know, just dumb, I guess. Not dumb, but like. It, right. You're already giving it to all the all yeah, of your yeah, individual yeah, yeah, members. Yeah. So you wouldn't be giving anything extra. Exactly. Because we provide a warm up and we provide all the different versions and all the subs and modifications. We even provide a beginner version of the workout um, for the daily workout now too. So you can see like the super scaled options. Sometimes we have like a glory days option where it's like, Hey, if you've got muscle ups or you've got handstand pushups or handstand walks, this is the version that you can do. That's only once in a while, but, and then we have all of our accessory programs. So we have like an only workout once a week and a power workout once a week and all this other stuff. I mean, if I was a gym owner, I would just sign up and use what I wanted and, you know, add in whatever else. But, mm -hmm. um, we get asked that a lot and that's what we tell them to do. And all we ask from gym owners is, Hey, let the members know that this is where you're getting the programming so that if they wanted to become an official member, they could do that. Or if they move away, they can keep, if they like the programming and they move away and they want to keep working out or if they travel and they want to, you know, um, we know that we can't control what people are going to do. So we just, yeah. if they do write in, that's what we tell them. And, and what about like starting brick and mortar gyms under the street oh, parking name? I don't, I don't, I mean, these days that sounds like a really bad idea, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know that we're interested in um, managing all of that. You know, um, we plan on homeschooling our two boys and we have some other ideas for ways that we can reach. Um, one of the things that we love about street parking is the price um, because while there are people who are too busy to make it to a gym, there's a lot of people who will, who just can't afford a CrossFit gym. And I'm not a person that says that CrossFit should be cheaper because I owned an affiliate and I know that's also not really, doesn't make financial sense, you know? But um, if we can provide all of these tools to someone who may never be able to afford a gym, that's more of a focus for us. Um, the other idea that we've had is uh, because Julian is very fluent in Spanish, is creating all of what we do and providing it in Spanish as well um, for that community. And so I don't know that the, the brick and mortar gyms, we're more than happy to send you a banner if you're an affiliate and you would like to hang a street parking banner and say we're a street parking gym and we follow their program, we'll send you a banner. Got it, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I have one weird question. Um, in the process of this, what do you think is more important percentage wise, your programming or your community? Um, I think for member retention, your community is more important. I think the community drives people's consistency, even maybe more depending on how bad your programming is along with it. I mean, if people are just wrecked all the time or bored, the consistency is also not going to be there. But um, 
programming is really important, but there are people out there who are really good at it, who just haven't figured out the community side. Um, I don't think that the workouts that I create are any better than Chris Spieler or Pat Sherwood or, and they both have very successful programs also. I know that the difference is just how much time we put into the community. And it's not to take anything away from them because what they, I mean, Lynchpin is amazing. And, you know, there are so many programs out there that are great, but I mean, when, when we've told people how much time and how many people we employ just to talk to people on social media, it's, it's over, it can be overwhelming, but it's a commitment that, you know, we're really big into and we'll keep doing. I, th I think it's really cool that when you first started to open your affiliate in Salt Lake, you said, I'm really good at building a community and that has carried you all the way to this project, which has just taken off. And uh, you should be so proud of, of what is accomplished and um, really forward thinking. And you should really be proud of that. Thank uh, you. The last thing I want to say is, where can people get street parking programming? We want to make sure they can find it. Yeah. Um, so you can go to streetparking.com. And you can go to uh, at street parking on Instagram and we post at least one sample workout a week. So, and that's been for four years almost now. So, I mean, you should probably just follow that at first. <laughs> <laughs> um, you won't be part of the community if you're doing that, of course. And the, the workouts aren't necessarily in a, an appropriate order or anything, but that can give you an idea of what we do. Um, and then I'm at Fearless Miranda on Instagram and Julian is 009 Julian. And um, his story is uh, even cooler than mine, I think. So. so does that mean he's two better than James Bond? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 009. Yeah. Well, Miranda, I just, my gosh, this is, was such a treat for me to get to talk to you. Uh, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. And I want to thank you very much for sharing your story with us and our audience. Thank you so much, you guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. And we hope you have a great day and a good visit with your, your family. Yeah, and I just saw my mom and my sister walk back home with the baby. So she, he's probably ready to eat. Perfect yeah. timing. <laughs> well, we'll let you go do that. Thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.